It was just a few quick questions with respect to personal finance. So how do you choose a good fund or a good manager or is it the same? So choosing a manager or a fund is exactly the same. How do we go about it? No, so in my view, at least, I think, you know, there are many fund managers who do multiple funds. Uh, so each, uh, basically each individual who's investing into mutual, then you choose the funds that fit those parameters for you. Now, amongst these funds, then you go back to the fund managers of each of these funds and you see which fund manager you want, methods and multiple funds, both qualitative and quantitative, to look at his track record, to look at his communications, to look at his framework, his research framework, how does he go about selecting stocks or the mandate of the fund. So, you know, you need to do some of these things. Uh, obviously, we have financial intermediaries like which, you know, can help you. But then the information becomes a bit too overwhelming and it becomes a little distorted, quite a bit distorted. A personal interest involved with the information being rolled out. Correct. So when I'm looking at, at choosing a manager or a fund, let's say I'll talk about it from a very, very retail level. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we are making choices with respect to mutual funds. Right. When we're looking at uh, HNIs or rather even UHNIs, ultra HNIs, in that case, we're looking at it more from a PMS sort of a view. Yes. So how do you see the difference or how do we see the choice of, of fund at a retail level first? Correct. So I think for most of the retail investors who have very little financial literacy, or right. very little time correct to uh, to evaluate these things for them i think etfs and you know large mutual funds these are the good options so right. etfs because you know etfs are passive products and you buy default you know it's only the large companies that you are buying there because only the large ones <laughs> make it to the index uh, and large mutual funds because some of these fund managers have been managing money for 20, 30 years, right. established track records, schemes have a very, very long run, running track record. So you know you are in safe hands and you're not going to go bust tomorrow, you know, if you invest right. in such certain products. So I think for majority of the retail investors, you know, this is the two products which I would recommend uh, because they just don't have the literacy of the So here you're choosing the fund? The fund. Because you're choosing the fund because it's a track record is long enough. You're choosing the fund because it's, it's investing into large companies, not taking much risk for you. And you're choosing an ETF again for the same reasons, large companies. So we decide the mandate or the strategy, I want a large cap or mid cap based on my risk return based on appetite. Risk return appetite. Right. And also your time horizon. So uh, Correct. I think I think the history of the world will tell you that a small and mid caps give you higher return than large caps if you're able to invest for more than 10 years. Okay. But over one year, two year, three years, the story can be completely different. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, so you have to understand risk appetite also. And especially with the horizon. turbulence we have seen. Especially with the turbulence. So, so you have to have to understand that when you buy equity, you buy volatility. And, and uh, then when that volatility comes, you, you don't be perturbed by it. You know, you right. be prepared for it. That this is what I bought into. See, fixed income gives you lower return because it doesn't give you volatility. Right. Equity, when you buy, you buy volatility. And, and, and therefore, be, be prepared for it. And if you are able to hold for 10 years, then buy into more smaller and mid-cap mid companies because over a period they will perform very, very well. But in the near term, because these are smaller Correct. companies, they can go through some turbulence. So that, that asset allocation between large, mid and small cap would depend on the risk appetite risk and, and the time horizon. And the time horizon. Right. And, and very well said with respect to, you know, when you buy equity, you buy volatility basically. But in the long term, that volatility kinds of, kind phases of, you know, out. phases out. Phases Absolutely. Out. So when you're looking at an ultra HNI, in that case, you're looking at more of a fund manager than a fund. Absolutely. So an ultra HNI uh, generally, you know, knows what he's getting into. He's financially literate. He has a team which is financially Correct. literate. They have family offices. 
and and you know they they know their risk appetite and they're diversifying diversifying across managers because they exactly. they're investing across across products. managers and the products exactly right. so so pmss aifs these alternative investment products are very popular with these ultra right. guys Uh, and 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 the reason being that they understand the business very very intricately they understand the product very intricately and they then the repute of the fund manager sort of precedes right. the product and and the fund manager is launching the product is telling you what to do they study the research framework and it's more specific as compared to the large mutual funds absolutely there is a very specific uh, mandate right. given to each of these funds and schemes and these funds and schemes are very specific to their mandate right. so the ultra hna is able to decode that as to what is right. getting into right and is because he's financially literate and spends that kind of time uh, on on evaluating these uh, schemes he basically knows what he's getting into and that is why these guys are very happy with alternate investment <laughs> products but that's not for the retail guy because he correct one he, these products don't come to him and two he, he may not have the time or the literacy to understand right but so one needs to plan their personal finances and also understand the uh criterias constraints etc they have and accordingly choose the product Absolutely. and just not be that me to following you can't grow you just can't right so for for someone who has a 10 year time horizon a middle small cap product is a great product right to invest in for someone who has a 2 year time horizon that's probably the worst product so one needs to do a lot of homework in terms of that because at the retail space i personally see that uh, we do not have so much access to professional wealth managers who exactly guide you from a very portfolio perspective correct it's it's more of uh, compliances and the uh, uh you know the buying of mutual fund and the process being taken care of correct at at a very actually level. you know at the retail level the worst mistake investors make is they look at the one year three year five year performance of the fund okay so i was coming to that question how to track the performance yeah. so uh i think the most common error people make here yes. is what we call the end point bias end point bias end point bias so what happens is when investors generally want to invest in a product the first thing they do is they look at the one year three year five year ten year performance of the product right now the problem there is that all these returns will be good if the fund nav today is very good okay so let's say i am a fund manager whose fund has been going on for 10 years and as a fund manager i invested only in penny stocks okay okay being able to choose the correct product uh, do you think that this uh, variety of options in the fund space today and the etfs etc is it going to create more of a problem or is it going to be aligning the risk return of their investments No, so I think uh, if you look at the Western markets today and compare it to something like an Indian market, we don't have enough variety of products. Okay. So there is a good variety of products which have come out uh, of late, but we are still not there where we can actually afford to uh, confuse investors. We are actually okay. giving you more options today. So let me divide. So let me divide the potential investor into three parts. Okay. So one is a potential investor who has absolutely no financial literacy and absolutely no time to spend on his personal wealth management. Okay. So for this guy. the best the best suited product may be a large cap mutual fund or maybe an etf okay right beyond small that, cap mid cap if he has a good long term long term horizon maybe yes all right maybe yes but uh, you know uh, most most probably he would go for etfs is because with this inflation you desperately need to create <laughs> well some wealth yeah so yeah maybe small and mid cap but then you need to control your behavior you need to be invested for 10 years yeah which is another thing we we'll yes. talk about later probably but uh, No, so uh, so this is the first kind of investor. Correct. The second kind of investor is an investor who has some financial literacy, some time to manage wealth, but he doesn't have a lot of time or a lot of financial understanding. All right. right? So this guy can go about you know selecting mutual funds, selecting funds schemes, okay. which are so he can analyze his own risk appetite, he can analyze his own risk aspirations, his own return aspirations, his own time horizon, and he can go about choosing some right products for him in the marketplace. Right. So this guy can basically do the uh, mutual funds more actively. 
Uh, and then the third guy of a, a, type, a type of guy is who is extremely financially literate and okay. he has a lot of time to manage his personal wealth. Right. So such guys also can get into direct equities and you know take a little more risk because they have a little more understanding and then go, go that way. So, so today we have enough products in the marketplace who can address Mr. A, Mr. B and Mr. C. Right? But I don't see that we offer that variety of products that we can actually okay. confuse them. Right? Uh, if you go to Western markets, you will have unlisted equity space, you will have REITs, you will have structured products, you will have MLDs. Today, we don't offer any of this. We've just got a couple of REITs and that too recently listed that too recently. in the markets. So right. We have very less variety today compared to Just on that note, when you're talking about the investors actually doing their research, because there are a lot of uh, wannabe part-time investors, if I can, if I can call them so. Mm. So when you're looking at a company, when you're investing that money, uh, how many years of annual reports do you read of one particular company? If available, 20 years. If not, then 10. So 10 years is the minimum number of annual reports that you have. If available, then yes. So Sometimes companies are newer. So, so, they won't so have newer numbers. companies would have less number of uh, yes. uh, reports. How many years of uh, worth of con call do you read? Uh, con calls maybe last four years. Four years of con calls, so approximately 16 con calls. 16 con calls. So that is the amount of depth and research that goes on. Absolutely. And then you meet the management as well, as far as I understand, Absolutely. with the industry we and do. how it works. We do. Along with that, what else do you do in terms of... So we meet peers... We uh, ask questions, so it's, it's called scuttlebutt. Okay. So you do a lot of scuttlebutt as well. You meet the peers, you meet the vendors, you meet the customers. So your channel checks. And channel all. checks. So we, because when you do that, you get more information. See, the company will always talk good about itself. Be it in an annual report, Correct. be it in a con call. Only, it's only when you talk to the peers. See, if a peer admires an, in, an industry peer, you know it's doing well. Okay. If a, if a vendor says, okay, I get my payment in time and I get very large yes. orders, you know that the company is doing well. If a customer says, I can't do without this vendor, you know the company. So that's the depth of research that a fund manager brings in. Has to. Uh, so one leads to. So even when 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 one is investing into a company, then either invest into those blue chips and all, wherein you are kind of confident that an HDFC or an uh, a Reliance probably may not ever go wrong, Correct. and just buy at a proper price point. Or uh, I've seen people doing like an SIP into these kind of companies yes, as well. They do. They do. And uh, that too, having a decent understanding of the industries and yeah. companies and uh, and all. But uh, otherwise, that's the depth of research that you bring in. Yeah, and absolutely. hence, if you are unable to do that because that's not your core job, Correct. so you choose pooled investment vehicles like mutual funds, mutual funds PMSs, PMS, etc. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So uh, your advice to building wealth for a 20 to 25 year old individual, and then I'll ask you for a 45 year old okay. individual. So for a 20 to 25 year old individual, the best advice I can give you is be risk aggressive. Save okay. some money out of your salary or whatever you're doing, save some money uh, as much as you can save and try and invest as much as you can in equities because you have a long working career ahead of you. Right. You don't need the money right now because you're probably not married. You don't have to spend too much. You cannot be a large consumer. Right. So you save most of your salary. Start investing. Make your own mistakes. Uh, and and uh, if you start investing, if you start understanding equities at an early age, by the time you need the money, your purpose hopefully would have become would something be very, very meaningful. And that you need to save at an early age. And you can't be really... You can spend on some things, obviously, but uh, you cannot be frivolous with your with your. Lifestyle. I personally spend a lot on books. And <laughs> I like to spend on things that I want to spend on rather than that the society dictates me to spend on. Absolutely. So investing in yourself is the best investment you can do, right? So uh, <laughs> I don't believe in that. But, uh, but that's true. So you invest in yourself. Right. So uh, spend on books, spend on courses, spend on any soft skills that you can get by doing anything. So uh, playing golf, right, teaches you so many things. Uh, play, play, plays any other sport, for example, which teaches you a lot of things. Uh, so for personality development, brain travel, development, travel. Uh, so these spectators are okay. 
but if you become frivolous and if you don't save enough and if you don't build start building wealth now you know you can't retire early you'll have to work so you've got to spend out of what you're earning and not with the emis and all with your future exactly. possible income exactly you're not supposed to spend futures income, future's today. income today so when you right. pay emis you're actually discounting future income correct so you have to be very very careful with what you do want to do with your future income and for a 45 year old individual then so the first step for a 45 year old individual is to assess what he has today right uh, I, i read in i think in hindustan times carried a article where uh, they said 70 to 75% of india's personal wealth today is in real estate something around mid teen is in gold okay so if you think about what's left over is 10% right and that 10% is all financial assets correct i think Bonds, e- stocks e- equity was 2 or 3% mutual funds is another 2 or 3% and equity is direct equity and mutual funds is mutual that's funds. why there's so much space that that uh, dii's can occupy can occupy exactly right. so uh, the target market is huge right. but the fact is that uh, you know if, if an average 45 year old today will have 70% of his wealth in real estate so which correct. means in his financial planning he has to start reducing the rate of real estate it has or increase the weight of or increase the weight of because again real estate becomes a bulky asset bulky asset so if one unit is very large so right. so when you have real estate you have real estate it will be 70 75% right. but then incrementally your savings should not go into real correct. estate at all correct it should go into other financial products so that the weight of those products over time can grow big enough and nullify the so that brings me to this conception when you're looking at a a an indian investor there is always a tussle between real estate versus equity right. and real estate is where we personally see that you know uh, there is more wealth to be made in real estate or there is more growth in the long term real estate provides you with higher return yeah. so that's again i understand that's a misconception but yeah. i would like you to expound upon it as to real estate versus equity so i think two things make real estate a more favorable investment psychologically speaking okay uh, so first first psychological advantage in holding real estate is the physical asset You yeah. can see it. You can hear it. You can rent it. You can sit on it. It's a physical asset. A financial instrument is an abstract asset. Correct. You can't see it, feel it, touch it. It's after demat more so. So you can't feel it, touch it. There's no certificate. So if I pass a lien, I'll see. Okay, this flat is mine. I'm getting rent away off. Exactly. But I don't pass an ITC building and say I I'm getting dividend from here. So so that's the that's the difference, right? Whereas right. ITC's dividend would be higher yield than the rental asset, the rental income, yeah. right? But but you won't probably see. Uh, you won't feel that way. so that's a psychological barrier that most investors have to cross right that real estate physical so what you know and that is abstract so what this is asset mm-hmm. versus asset physical and abstract should not make a difference uh, so that's the first barrier second barrier why real estate actually has created more compounded wealth in the past is because you cannot churn it right you cannot see quoted prices so let's say a person buys a flat for 1 crore rupees next day the flat value falls to 90 lakhs he's not going to panic and sell the flat and he doesn't even know it's fallen down to 90 and he doesn't even come to know it's fallen down right. to 90 right so so he's not going to sell it also at 90 even if he is aware he's not going to sell it at 90 because it's a uh, flat you can't sell it on on monday but the same person buys a 1 crore rupee stock and the next day the stock is quoting at 90 lakhs he might just panic and sell it correct so lower liquidity lower ability to churn also makes real estate a higher value compounder because you're a default long term investor by you're default a, by default right because and, of structure and the volatility is not something that you can see exactly. so the actual volatility is very different and much higher, much higher. as compared to the perceived volatility, volatility. that you get exactly. from this asset so the so class. the problem with financial assets is that you can see the volatility correct and that induces act action yes. and because it induces action you act and because you act you don't hold for a long term and because you don't hold for a long term is difficult to make money in financial markets 
so that brings me to the point where i strongly recommend to control your own behavior okay stock prices and economy are different things focus on the economy focus on the evolution of the businesses don't focus on stock prices i give an example often on this front stock prices are like a dog and the economy is like a man the man has the dog on a leash if the man in 10 years goes from point a to point b stock prices will go from point a to point b but in between the dog will go around here jump there bark sleep poo he'll do all those things the man will still continue walking Correct. so if you are focused on the dog which 99% of the investors are focused on the dog aaj market ka kya hua right 99% investors so if they are focused on the dog you'll always be confused because he's going to jump here jump there run ahead run back and you will not know where the dog is going but if you are focused on the man who's just walking on a straight line from point a to point b it's far easier to comprehend what's happening right so i think majority of investors make this mistake to far too focused on the dog than focused on the man uh, and our job as you know asset managers is to focus on the man, the man. and tell you what the man is where the man is going to be in 10 years and therefore we seek money that you invest with us we are focused on the man yes the dog will do its own thing in between but in 10 years the dog will be where the man is very interesting way of looking at it yeah it's a, it's a very simple way of putting it but there is a lot of noise in stock prices and you know asset prices uh, it's just that in stocks you can see the volatility every asset price is volatile in, in stock prices you can see the volatility in Correct. other assets sometimes you can't see it and because you can't see it you can't act on it so discipline and working on your biases on and your being biases. very educating yourself against these biases that one has yeah. so we have a saying in fund management not acting is a very strong act true so if you don't act for a very long time it's very difficult to do but if you are able to do it it actually creates a very strong outcome more often than not if you were right to begin with correct the tax advantages etc aside with respect to the churning absolutely right there's a cost to churn which people don't appreciate you pay the broker every time you churn you pay you delay your gratification every time you churn because every time you're buying a 3 year story 3 year story and if i break the 3 year story in one year is again another 3 years so rather you stick to your first 3 year story and wait for 3 years but people looking at wolf of wall street etc just want too much excitement with the markets <laughs> and end up losing money in that process yeah so there's another important saying at it somewhere investing is like watching grass grow okay if you want excitement go to vegas okay <laughs> so uh true. yeah if you're a true investor it's long term it's growth it's 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 slow it's boring it's tedious it's watering that yeah so right. so it's it's very boring to be honest investing is a very very boring journey but if you should have a passion to do it if you want to uh and if you're actually a true long term investor there's not much for you to do once you get to office every day but to read and understand your investments better and you have to take less actions on the portfolio more actions on the reasons behind the actions but i personally find that even more exciting and peaceful at the same time that that reading continuously knowing Correct. and 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 just observing exactly. basically so if if observing is exciting to you then this is the kind of job you should be in right most people don't uh, feel excitement when they observe they feel excitement when they act okay now this is a job where actions actually hurt you more than often than not right so uh, not doing some things that's very very important so not making mistakes is more important than making good calls so that's the kind wonderful. of job we are in <laughs> wonderful wonderful thought